It's always fun to listen to what kids have to say about different topics. And uh, recently I, I came across this website that has letters that kids had written to their pastors. Um, so this is some pretty funny stuff as well. Um, I'm going to share some of them. Arnold, who is age eight, uh, wrote this to his pastor. Dear pastor, I know God loves everybody, but has he ever met my sister? <laughs> Robert, age nine, said, dear pastor, my dad should be a minister. Every day he gives us a sermon about something. Patty, age 10, said, Dear Pastor, I'm sorry I can't leave more money in the plate. My parents have not given me a raise in my allowance. By the way, could you have a sermon about raising allowances? Alex, age 9, said, Dear Pastor, please say a prayer for our Little League team. We either need God's help or a new pitcher. Carla, age 10, said, Dear Pastor, are there any devils on earth? I think there might be one in my class. Finally, there was an 8-year-old boy who wrote this. Dear Pastor, please say in your sermon that Peter Peterson has been a good boy all week. I am Peter Peterson. <laughs> That's good stuff. So kids say some funny things, but you know, it's not just the funny things uh, that I enjoy. I also enjoy the wisdom that can come from a child's mouth. And like in the videos we watched, there was a whole lot of truth coming from their mouths, um, things that they can teach us about life even at a young age. Growing up in the church, I was always taught that we should have a childlike faith. You know, you hear that phrase as a Christian, having faith like a child, but I'm not sure I really knew all the different things that that could mean until later on in life. Since it's graduation Sunday, I thought today would be a perfect time to talk about what it means to have faith like a child, and, and I don't think it just fits into one or two categories. I think there are multiple different ways where we are called to become like children again in our faith. So let's look at Matthew 18 to start things off. A couple verses here, Matthew 18 uh, verses 2 through 4. It says, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So example number one, to talk about today on how to have a childlike faith is to be humble. Scripture is packed full of verses that teach us to be humble, but oftentimes what happens as we get older is we tend to credit ourselves with the things we've accomplished, the things that we have, um, and we, we think, you know, we deserve this, we earn this, and a lot of times by doing that, we lose the ability that we once had as children to be humble and to fully appreciate all the blessings that we have in our lives. I want us to notice a, a pretty cool correlation between Scripture and a common theme among children. The majority of the time, kids will receive more grace than adults do when they do something wrong, and the main reason for that is they're kids, and people know that they need to learn right from wrong, um, they need to learn from their mistakes, and sometimes they don't always know the difference between good and bad choices. Well, the Bible says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So think about this correlation here. Children receive more grace when they do something wrong. A big reason for that is because children, for the most part, are very humble. And so if we are humble like a child, we will be given grace like a child. I remember this night uh, at youth group, this is when I was a youth pastor in Florida, there was a Wednesday night youth group that we had, and we had this stage, and I put this big chair on the stage, 
only one chair, and there was a sign on it that said, the seat of honor. So as kids are coming in that night, they're thinking, you know, what's this all about? And some of them are too nervous, but some of them want to be the one that sits in the seat of honor for the night. And so as one, one by one, they would come up, and I would ask them questions to see if they were good enough to, to stay in the seat of honor. No matter what they said, though, I would say, nope, that's not right. you got to go sit, sit down. Then later in the evening, I found a, a kid who was in the back who was just patiently watching, and I said, hey, the seat of honor belongs to you tonight. So they came up, and we you know, gave them special privileges throughout the night because um, they were being patient and humble at the beginning of, of the evening. The goal of this little exercise was to try to bring one of the parables of Jesus to life. And that parable, which we'll read together, is found in Luke 14. Like any parable, Jesus wants us to really visualize what's happening in the story and then apply it to our lives. So Luke 14, verses 8 through 11 says this. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We know that today, you know, weddings have a a wedding party table, and there's assigned seating for everyone else, but it's not always, you know, for every person, your relationship to the the master of the wedding party. Um, Back during this time in the world, most of the weddings, every single seat would be designed based on your relationship. And so can you imagine if you, you went to a seat and the master comes and it's basically like him saying, I don't like you that much. Like, who are we kidding? Like, we're, we're not that close. So go sit back there a little ways. It'd be pretty awful um, to experience that. But Jesus is teaching us through this parable, we should be humble. We should put others first. We should think of others before ourselves. And here's the challenge. Um, we shouldn't just think of this example in terms of an event that we go to. We should think of it day to day, everything that we go through in life. Um, The challenge I gave the students that night, and I also gave this challenge to our students here, was ask yourself this question every day. How can I take the lowest seat today so that I can put others first and be exalted by God while doing it? That's what this parable is about, being humble. and, And being humble is a great place to start in having faith like a child. Second example on how to have a childlike faith is to be fully dependent on God. Um, as we all know, kids are fully dependent on their parents for everything. A child needs their parents just to survive. And so I think that also is a beautiful picture of what it means in that relationship with God. Um, we need to live our lives in this way. I, I want to be so close to my creator to where I need him just as much or more than my next breath. And I want to live a life that shows that he's the one that gave me that breath in the first place. So I don't want to just come to God when I need something. Um, Children don't treat their parents that way. Now, maybe later in life, as they get older, they may say, hey, I need some money, need some food, need laundry, you know, you know the drill. They, They may have those thoughts later, but when they were younger, that was not the case. They were fully dependent on their parents for everything. 
I always think about the story of the woman at the well in a situation like this. Just to summarize the story, she had been married five times, and it seemed from that example that she always needed a relationship in her life to be satisfied. She was always chasing after um, this, this thrill that could not fully satisfy her. And when Jesus meets her, he tells her, any water you drink from the, from the world, you're just going to be thirsty again. But if you drink from the living water, you'll never go thirsty. So really, there's no point in putting our hope in things of this world. It doesn't have to be a relationship. It could be anything that we're trying to put before God. Whenever we try to rely on ourselves, and we, as we get older, we start to depend on ourselves more than God, um, we are far from a childlike faith in those moments. I'm also reminded of a story that several pastors have shared over the years. I think uh, Max Licato and uh, Craig Groeschel and some other ones have um, shared this story before. Imagine if you take a fish and you pull it out of the water and you put it on the beach. If you give it some lemonade and a magazine and some sunscreen, maybe some music, is the fish going to have a good time? Maybe for like a minute. But the fish wasn't made for the beach. The fish was made for the ocean. And the analogy here is that we as Christians, we have bodies, but we are souls. And so our citizenship is actually in heaven. We are actually made, the very being of who we are is made for heaven one day. And so there are things on this earth that may satisfy us for a few minutes, but it's never going to fully satisfy us because we were not made for this place. So think about that. If we were not made for this place, if our citizenship is actually in heaven, then why would we ever trust only in ourselves or things of this world rather than being fully dependent on God? It's when I realize that I can't make it on my own, that I begin to depend on God for all things. Another example of how to have a childlike faith, never stop laughing and never stop asking. Laughter is great medicine for us, not just physically, but also spiritually. Psalm 126 says, he will fill our mouths with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy because the Lord has done great things for us. Did you know it's estimated that children laugh between 100 and 300 times per day? Compare that to the average adult that laughs 8 to 15 times per day. There's nothing better than hearing the laugh of a child, and, and I believe God never stops feeling that way about us because no matter how old we get, we're always a child in the eyes of God, and he's given us laughter, and he delights when we do so. I love the quote that says, if the love of God is in you, you might want to notify your face. <laughs> Sometimes we will even worship and we'll, we'll be like, oh, happy day. <laughs> He's washed my sin away. <laughs> God has given us joy and laughter and we need to become more like a child in that way. We should also never stop asking questions. On average, children between the ages of three and eight ask 300 questions per day. Now, I'm not saying that we should ask the same questions as children, but we should never lose our ability to ask questions in our lives. Because when we stop asking questions, we begin to feel like we have all the answers, and that's just never the case. One of my goals as a youth pastor is to help our students learn how to ask questions. 
and to help them understand that asking questions is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Because the thing is, if I as their youth pastor or if someone as a parent or a teacher or coach or whoever, if all we do is spoon feed a bunch of answers to them, then they're never going to learn how to think for themselves. Not only that, but when we're having a conversation about God with a non-believer, the most impactful thing we could do for them is not say, here's what I believe a bunch of answers are, but it's to ask them the right questions that make them think in that conversation. And so over time, our questions should change as we learn and grow. My questions that I had at 21 should not be the same as 31, um, but I should still have them. I should still have new, different questions as I'm seeking God. The Bible is full of great questions. Paul's letter to the Romans is built around a series of questions. The first chapter of Hebrews begins and ends with questions. Jesus said to ask, and it will be given to you. When the disciples asked Jesus questions about the parables that he taught, in that moment he told them that they had found the secret of the kingdom with their questions. Then look at the Psalms, filled with questions to God. Truth is, when we have real questions, we will seek the truth. And that's why we should never stop asking and seeking. The fourth way to have faith like a child is those two simple words of fear not. This may be a big one for our graduates today with not entirely sure of what's next in their life, but fear often gets in the way of faith. I'm not saying kids do not have fears because we all have things that scare us, but for the most part, think of this. Kids feel extremely safe when they're with their parents or guardians. There's something very special about a child feeling safe in their arms. And I think that's another beautiful picture of what we're talking about today. God wants us to feel safe in his arms and wants us to know he's got our back. He'll be there to hold us through everything, through all the storms of life. Another aspect of a child's relationship with their parent is that they don't want to disappoint them. Um, whether they will admit it or not, a child never wants to disappoint their parents. They, they want to make them proud. And I think a lot of times we may get confused on what it means when we hear the phrase, fear God. Um, fearing the Lord, as the Bible says, is the beginning of all wisdom. But fearing the Lord doesn't mean we're, we're terrified of him punishing us, punishing us and we think, you know, if we don't obey, then he's not going to like this. He's, you know, we're going to be punished. It's, it's not really that kind of fear. Fearing the Lord is actually talking about having a reverence for him, being in awe of who he is, and living your life for him to please him in a way, in a very similar way as a child wanting to please their parents. A question to think about today is, have you ever been so afraid of something that you didn't care what people thought about you? It's kind of a, a weird question, but imagine maybe a kid going off a high dive and they chicken out. I can relate. They chicken out and they walk away and then their, their friends make fun of them and they're like, I'd rather you make fun of me than drown, so I don't care. That's an example. Um, another example, this is Looking back, this was not embarrassing at the time for me, but now I, I kind of joke about it and say, yeah, that's probably the most embarrassing story that's ever happened. But at the time, it, it didn't, it wasn't embarrassing. Um, I think it was about 11 or 12 years ago, I had a summer job right down the road here at Town & Country. Um, I was going to be working in the lumber yard for a summer, <clears throat> 
What I didn't know is when I got there, they wanted me to work on top of the roof. One of the buildings, not a flat building, you know, one of those tilted ones, pretty high up in the air. <clears throat> it's probably at least 3,000 feet or something like that. <clears throat> but anyway, I, I was trying to be brave, and I got up there, went up the ladder, and then I'm standing kind of like this. And, you know, I've never liked heights very much. Um, things like roller coasters don't bother me. I actually like them. Uh, riding an airplane doesn't bother me. Those kind of things, I feel safe. But if I'm hanging off the ledge of something, I don't really like heights very much. So I realized after a, a very few short minutes that I'm not going to be able to do, do this. And that's not even the most embarrassing thing because as I'm looking over the ledge at where the ladder is and thinking, how am I going to you know, position myself as I'm facing death right in the face? How am I going to get on this ladder? Um, I realize I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get down. So they had to bring a forklift truck over <laughs> and raise it all the way up so I could stand on it and be lowered to the ground as everyone's laughing and pointing. So yeah, that was fun. I will say though, in my defense, later that summer, kid you not, a guy fell off the roof. He didn't die, but he banged up his leg pretty good. So that was crazy. Um, but I, I must say in that moment, I couldn't care less that people were, were watching me and probably laughing, you know, this guy's being lowered from a from a truck, from a building. Um, but in that moment, I was just happy to be safe on the ground. And is there anything else I can do here besides work on the roof? You know, that was, that was a good thing. But here's the point I want to make with this story, with the question I asked a second ago. At what point in our lives do we fear God more than others? At what point do we say, you know, in this moment, I'm going to fear God and God alone. I'm not going to care what other people think. So for our graduates, you know, when you go off to college and maybe there's some things going on and you get invited some places that you shouldn't be going, think to yourself, should I fear God or fear man? Um, adults going to work, doing all, you know, different things that we um, are involved in on a day-to-day -day basis. When you're tempted to please man instead of God, ask yourself, should I fear God or fear man? Sometimes we forget that man can't do anything to us anyway. Matthew 10, 28 says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who can destroy both soul and body. One of his books, uh, Pastor Matt Chandler, had this to say about this very passage. He said, this is the gospel's way of saying, you're seriously afraid of a kitten and not a lion. This would be like us running away from a kitten and then walking up to a lion and slapping it in the face. That's what happens if we were to fear man instead of God. The reality is we have nothing to fear in the big scheme of things. We should want to please God and God alone while knowing we are safe in his arms. If we can do that, we will have a childlike faith. The fifth and final example I want to share today on how to have faith like a child is to dream big dreams. Kids have amazing imaginations. I remember when I was a kid, I would go out to the backyard, put on a Cubs hat, pretend like I was playing for them. Um, I'd even do the Harry Carey broadcasting voice and all that stuff. All I needed was my imagination. That was it. It's hard for a kid to be bored simply because they have an imagination. I believe we are most alive in our life when we are dreaming big dreams and daring to do great things for the kingdom of God. It's a real shame when we 
when anyone may lose that imagination and that desire to dream as they get older. Maybe it's when we get in the routine of life and stop believing that we can do great things. C.S. Lewis once said, those who did the most in this life are the ones who thought the most about the next life. So as Christians, we, we know what's coming. Eternal life one day with, with Jesus. That's where we belong. That's the place we were created for. This world has nothing for us, but we are still here for a reason. We're here to make an impact. We're here before we get to heaven to bring heaven here. And so to dream big dreams, we must be thinking about the life that is to come, as C.S. Lewis said. And we should always be dreaming of not only being in heaven one day, but how to bring heaven here. You're never too young, you're never too old to dream big things for the kingdom. So ask yourself that question, how can I bring heaven to earth today? How can I use my talents and my resources to bring God glory and make the name of Jesus known? How can I use my imagination to win lost souls to the one who gave me that imagination in the first place? If you look at all the heroes in the Bible, you may realize they they all had major setbacks. They all had ups and downs, times they screwed up, but their vision and their dreams carried them through. And from that moment on, they, they took these huge steps of faith knowing God would be with them. So to have faith like a child, never stop dreaming of what we can do. I do want to make one thing very clear today. A childlike faith is not a childish faith. There's nothing childish about the things we talked about today. Being humble, fully depending on God, asking questions, having no fear, dreaming big things. There's nothing childish about those. Maybe when we understand our true identity is as a child of God, it'll help us in this pursuit. About 90% of the time, there was actually even a survey done about this, about 90% of the time when people are asked, are you a child of God? The two most common answers are, I think so, or I'm trying to be. The question is, how do you try to be a son or a daughter? There's no trying, it's who you are. Satan's going to do everything he can to make you believe you are not a child of God. One final story to share. Imagine a a toddler trying to take their first steps. They take a few steps, they stumble around, and they fall. Imagine if their, their parents in that moment, instead of rejoicing, imagine if their parents looked at them and said, Really? That's it? Two steps? That's terrible. It's ridiculous. No, they don't say that. They say, my child is walking, and I'm so proud. Well, think about in our pursuit, in our life, as we're walking towards Christ. In our faith journey, as we're living our lives trying to follow him, we are going to stumble. We're going to fall from time to time. But Satan is the one saying, they fell down again, huh? That's terrible. But Jesus is the one that looks at us even when we stumble. So we're trying to walk towards him. He looks at you and says, my child is walking and I'm so proud. I hope today that even just a little bit, your understanding has expanded on what it means to have 
faith like a child. I hope and pray we will never lose our ability to humble ourselves, to know that we are God's children, and let's remember to laugh. Let's remember to ask questions. Let's remember to use our imaginations again. And let's remember to fear not, for our Father is always with us. We're going to take communion together at this time. This is a chance for us to spend time with our Father, to fall at his feet, and maybe this would be a good chance to ask him to help make us like children again. And so as the emblems are passed, uh, please hold on to them. We will take them uh, together as one body. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for the opportunity um, to worship. And I pray that during this time that we will examine ourselves, we will fall at your feet. And uh, whatever's going on in our lives, I just pray that we give it all to you. Help to make us like children again in our faith. Be with us now. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.